Welcome to CrossFit Versus Pregnancy, the podcast for the first time or new fit mum who's looking for reassurance and guidance about training throughout their pregnancy. I'm Misha, a coach who went from competitive bodybuilder to crossfitter to expecting first time mum all in 18 months. Having searched through what feels like the entire web for do's and don'ts, I realised that the best way I could prepare for a CrossFit baby would be to speak to those with first-hand experience and share mine week by week. From coaches to athletes, new mums to veteran parents, you can follow my CrossFit pregnancy journey as well as learn from those who have successfully lived through it. Welcome back guys, it's episode 19 of CrossFit versus Pregnancy, this is Misha, I am 36 and a half, I'm not with the whole like plus number of days, I'm not there yet, so 36 and a half weeks pregnant, it's pretty scary saying that number, Um, and I am here welcoming our amazing in-house ex-midwife Charlotte, hi Charlotte! Hi, and happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. This year, I'm having a baby, Charlotte. So exciting. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I've spent 95% of my pregnancy saying, ah, I've got ages, it's next year. Ah, I've got ages. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, right. It's now next year. I'm actually having a baby this year. So, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely made things a little bit more real coming into 2023. But um, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. Good. Happy to unfortunately be back at work. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? It's the routine, though. I think we just... I love a routine. Yeah, yeah. Thrive on routine. I think anyone that says they don't um, hasn't got a good routine. <laughs> yeah. A routine and a to-do list. Absolutely. Uh, they're my thing. I mean I mean I go through um I'm still quite old school with my my lists I'm I go through sort of a4 pads like they're going out of fashion I should probably transfer my note taking to something a little less um environmentally destroying I have moved on my my friend enlightened me that I can use an iPad to do my to-do list so I had an iPad anyway and I've now got a stylus Oh, handy. So I now do it on my notes with a pen. So I still get the satisfaction of like scribbling something out and that kind of thing. But it's not on a piece of paper. That's that's amazing. However, I can't join that club (laughs) because I don't have an iPad. So I'm going to stick to my £2 notebooks instead. It's already gone as well. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like I said, 36 weeks. Um, Let me figure it out in the whole like plus this many days. So. One, two, three, <coughs> four, five. 36 plus five. Um, and it, That's um, over half. That's yeah. over 36 and a half. I'm nearly 37 weeks. There we go. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't really, I still can't hugely complain. Yes, I'm becoming more uncomfortable. Yes, I'm becoming less mobile. Yes, I am definitely bigger and when my when anybody messages me or you know I run into a friend or something and they say how are you doing my immediate answer is I'm massive and (laughs) and it's just such an alien thing when you've never experienced either I don't know like a really bad injury that kind of immobilizes you or pregnancy of course or I don't know something that really does inhibit your natural movement it's so strange and I was actually telling my midwife yesterday and um, that because I'm still quite busy with work and um, because I work from home fortunately enough I could go through a whole day sat at my computer sort of halfway through the day think oh I need to you know go to the loo get up and then be like oh Jesus I forgot that I was pregnant because like just sitting working it's kind of I don't really think about it so there's still those moments where I'm like oh my god yeah geez I really need to think a little bit more about standing up properly or whatever because it just goes out of my mind um, but I'm definitely reminded much more frequently in the last couple of weeks since we last spoke um, that I'm pregnant purely based on my size and something that I wanted to share was um 
actually at my 34 week midwife appointment. Did we talk about this last time? I can't remember. Um, Maybe. <laughs> I, I had a huge measurement. I don't think we did. No, we didn't. Um, okay, so we've spoken about the, what's it called again, Charlotte? The measurement chart uh, the that they... The fundal height. Oh, gap and growth. That's it. That's the one where they measure from... Right, where do they... You, it's probably easier if you explain. <laughs> <laughs> they measure from the fundus, which is the very top of the uterus, down to the pubis symphysis, which is the, the bony bit on your pelvis. Cool. Perfect. That was so much easier <laughs> than me trying to fumble it out. Uh, so, yeah, they are doing that at every appointment now, which is to be expected with growth spurts happening much more frequently in third trimester. At my 34-week appointment, I saw a midwife that I haven't met before. Shock. She was lovely though. And as always, all my other stats were perfectly wonderful. And when we sat to measure, the baby had had an enormous growth spurt that I couldn't be smug about being perfectly in the centre of my chart anymore. In fact, it had gone pretty high off, <laughs> off where we wanted to be to the point where the midwife had said, okay, because I'm not your midwife and you'll see her next time, I think, don't worry, but if we have another big spurt and you're off the chart again, we're going to need to send you for a scan um, to see if the baby is massive, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Which so, is the complete opposite from at the start when everyone was telling you your bump was too small. I know, I know. But having said that and spoken to a few friends since about this and, and my kind of, I suppose, fear... No, fear is definitely an extreme word for what I was feeling, but concern, that's a better word, concern that I would be going in and they might be saying, yeah, we need you to have a scan. Yeah, we need to induce you. You have a ginormous baby. Um, a couple of my friends have, have still said to me, but you don't look that big. Um, because I guess from the front and the back, I haven't put on an excess amount of weight. I've definitely put on some weight. Like I'm not going to absolutely I'm not denying that I haven't put on some weight because my clothes don't fit me like they used to obviously um my hips and my legs have definitely changed I can feel a difference in some clothes that I am still wearing very low riding obviously um but yet I suppose to look at I haven't gained an excess of weight until I turn to the side and then it's just like I'm smuggling a beach ball it's just all bump. yeah it's all bumps but then again something that I think people still don't take into account is how it's individual to each person isn't it it's according to yeah. your weight and your height and so so that's I assume why to look at I don't look ginormous but according to where I should be according to my height and my weight I had this huge 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 growth but anyway so I spent a couple of weeks thinking oh my god when I go back next time preparing for the worst how is this going to work? And I think that something that I wanted to run by you today that I found really interesting um, was what if I was much bigger, went in for a scan, the baby was measuring larger than expected at this point, and their encouragement was to say, we should induce you before full term, 40 weeks. Um, so, before I get onto the question I have, to reassure myself and everyone else, I had my appointment yesterday and I had still grown a little bit from, from last time, but it was minimal and I was just back in the sort of safe zone, I'm going to call it. Um, so my midwife was happy that we didn't need to go in for a scan and and also having met Ollie, who is six foot five, ex-rugby player for those of you who haven't seen a picture of um, him on my social media he's a big guy so I mean when when we were speaking about that she said well look your baby's probably going to be pretty long um, and then when she had a feel she the way that she explained it kind of made me think god if I've got another five weeks left which is possible right how yeah. big is this how long is this baby going to be because the head was <laughs> I've got quite a long body as well I've got fairly short legs and a long body and so the head was where it should be between my pelvis and the bum 
was right under my ribs. Yeah. So that to me, I'm like sort of doing a sort of quick measurement in my head thinking that baby is already pretty long. That to me, I was thinking, oh my God, how could we be that big already? Like that seems really long. And that was just from her doing her feels you know um so yeah my question was really my thoughts in my mind were if I had got to that point where the recommendation was to have the baby early in my mind it was so inconvenient that if that was going to happen to have the baby like within the next week because Ollie goes back to work on Tuesday he's away for a week a time um, cutting his work short means he loses out of money because he's self-employed. So really, I in my head, I had it in in line to say to the midwives and the doctors or whoever, is the baby healthy? Is there any desperate need to get this baby out because of anything being untoward, my risk, baby risk? And if the answer was no... Would I have still been encouraged to come in sooner or are they obliged to say, well, no, actually, if everything's OK and you want to wait another week, then, you know, that, that that's OK. So what would what would your thoughts be on that? Um, it's a tricky one. Um, there's obviously definitely risks that come with having a bigger baby, mm-hmm. um, a baby that's potentially not too big for your body. But on the larger side, um, things like the delivery of the baby being a bit more tricky, um, the shoulders could get a little bit stuck, um, that kind of thing. But that being said, um, scans and measurements, there's always always some sort of parameters and they aren't 100% accurate. Like, they're not at all. Um, You could have one person measure you and then another person measure, me, measure you. And there will be some difference Absolutely. in technique and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, but a doctor will obviously advise you um, because it would be a doctor advising you. It wouldn't be a midwife or any other healthcare professional. It would be an obstetric doctor. Um, it would be them advising you that if they felt that the baby was weighing too much and becoming too big to potentially deliver you early. Mm-hmm. That being said, you do still have a choice. Um, yeah. If you mm. felt in your absolute right mind, you're like, no, I 100% know in my body that this baby is not too big for me, then you do have a right to say no. The doctor will obviously explain all the risks to you that if the baby is too big, like I said about um, the baby's shoulders getting stuck, um, mm-hmm. and especially because it's your first baby as well, they tend to be slightly more lenient on your second baby, especially yeah. if you've had a vaginal sure. delivery already. Um, because we know that your body can just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of sort of factors to weigh up. They don't ever like delivering you early if they don't need to. Um, it's better for baby to be in you than out of you. Sure. Um, that being said, after 37 weeks, all the baby is doing is gaining weight. Yeah. If everything's formed. Um, if you give birth vaginally after 37 weeks, even before 37 weeks, the baby will generally come out and scream and be absolutely fine as long as there's no other adverse medical issues or any problems during labour. So it's it's a very subjective, um, I can't give you a solid answer yeah. to it, unfortunately. Um, no, I wasn't. It was, again, I'm always looking for potential fact from experience, but also your opinion. And I think having spoken to my my good friend who is a junior doctor and we kind of hashed it out and said what you know what would you what do you think and and she sort of said well I think you are in your rights if everything is healthy and happy to actually say well I'm not ready yet you know even if it is a few days or whatever that I can't imagine that it would be that desperate if it was just the size of the baby being a little bit big for them to say oh we need you to come in tomorrow um and me to sort of say that's definitely not convenient um just more for the sake of you know I I would really love if if it was going to be planned a a planned induction to know that Ollie could be here you know if we cut his work short by a couple of days that's cool 
um, if really necessary, but to cut it off by an entire week, really, when he's going Especially back or... when he's self-employed. Exactly. You know, we're both self-employed, so that's a factor that we've both had to really consider um, coming into the birth. So, so anyway, so I was just interested to know. But that all put to one side. Everything was fine. There was no need to go in for a scan. So baby is long. Uh, it's growing very well and uh, it's still in the right position. Always, if I'm looking down at my bump to the right of right of my side, uh, always, um, I think it's pretty pretty comfy where it is. So it's not doing much um, sort of wriggling around. Well, it can't anymore, I guess, because it's that big. And I think the main thing that I wanted to share because people keep asking me, like, how does it feel? And, you know my friends who haven't had babies before and the one thing that always comes to my mind is actually how the movements have changed and there is this fear put around you certainly when you're closer to having the baby about the movements changing and how that can be a bad thing but I don't mean it in the sense of they're less frequent or they're not as strong I mean the 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 way in which the baby is moving is different. So about four weeks ago, there was more kicking and clearly yeah. a bit more room for the limbs to move. And I could sort of perhaps see a foot or something that identified as a foot or whatever it might be. <laughs> now, a month later, um, or there and thereabouts, the movement is kind of more like waves in my stomach. It's really yeah. weird um, and looks a little bit more scary it must be whether it's a back or a bum or something so it's more of a bigger chunkier body part that I can see moving now as opposed to limbs because they're clearly gonna be you know bunched up in there inside yeah Yeah. I think that's a really important um thing to point out actually that there is a lot of myths that people say oh the baby's movements slow down when you get bigger and that's absolutely not true at all mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. said the frequency and pattern of the movements will stay the same yeah if there's any change in that pattern that is when we're concerned but like you said the movements themselves become different rather than like big kicks and punches and like having a party it's like a rolling like yeah 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 rolling of the shoulders kind of movement rather than like a big full-on punch but yeah like I said the pattern will stay the same which you've highlighted is absolutely normal I think it's more the the way in which it is put across is probably just the incorrect wording to put when somebody or a midwife has said to me before or or it's written in in some kind of advice book or document if the baby's movement changes well my baby's movement has changed um so that could potentially throw a new anxious mum that thinks well well, my baby's not like kicking around like it was it's kind of only moving slowly now and like you say more of a rolling movement it's not about that I think what they need to say is if the baby's frequency of movement the strength of their movement changes um that's what we need to look for um and I think again that's where my personal reading and I suppose more relaxed mindset has played well for me in that I'm 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 using sense rather than literal um interpretation of what's been said um but yeah it's it's really interesting to see and feel the changes and having yesterday it was really great actually and very reassuring and nice to know that we're not we're kind of back on track we're not going crazy massive (laughs) no not growing huge um but it but it was also very interesting you know it's now been a couple of weeks every couple of weeks I'm having these appointments now to hear the midwife say something different about the baby and where where they are in my tummy um it's so amazing when I think about progression over the last four weeks from from three different appointments how much that baby has grown in four weeks I think we can overlook nine months and I've been saying this a lot recently as well. Nine months is a long time. I feel like, and you've said this to me before, Charlotte, as well. I think um, some of my friends, I think, have said it to me. It feels like you've been pregnant forever. But it at the really same, does. But at the same time, when we say I'm 36 weeks and I'm in my third trimester, God, like, I can't believe I'm here already. Yeah. 
But I do look back across the last year and think, have I ever not been pregnant? It's just kind of feels like my new normal now. Um, But yeah, I think to to realise nine months is a substantial amount of time, but over our lifetime, it's nothing. In four weeks, to know how much that baby inside me has grown is actually mind-blowing. I know in the first trimester it's crazy as well, but it feels less significant because you can't feel anything. Like, it's not apparent. Like, you can't feel the growth. But the last four weeks from, in terms of measurement growth, in terms of how the movement's changed, is so real to me. And it really blew my mind yesterday when she said, oh, you know, that the back isn't here anymore or the the legs aren't here anymore actually the bum is right under your ribs and the head's here I was like wow that's did the midwife say um how engaged the head is she didn't say that it was engaged yet and actually it was something I didn't ask I don't I can't be specific and obviously I I asked I asked the midwife at 34 weeks but I didn't ask yesterday but because the baby I I mean you can confirm or perhaps deny this but because the baby for the last three weeks, I would say, has been head between my pelvis and always on my right side, having just grown. It sounds like it's pretty comfy there and it's not yeah, really doing much movement. Yeah, I would say that movement. it is pretty, pretty well into your pelvis. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, there is definitely no movement at my my lower abdomen. It's always up in my, um, I guess, right under, right under my... Your- ribs yeah just like my tummy really high high up in my tummy (laughs) that's that's where the movement is now there's nothing happening at the bottom and that sort of definitely says to me that we're not moving anywhere which is a really good thing stay there yeah so I something else I was really intrigued to talk about today because two things that people keep asking me who have had children recently um one is everybody when you get sick when you're pregnant and we spoke about this before how rubbish it is because you can't take anything and you feel like one of my friends actually texted me when I said that I wasn't feeling great and she was like oh my god I remember when I was I had a cold when I was pregnant I I felt like I was going to die and I and I thought well it's a bit dramatic but it certainly is a step in a different direction compared to when you're not pregnant uh so Something that I was really intrigued by um, and to speak to you today a little bit more is understanding the main reasons why being pregnant means that your immunity tends to be lower. And also, does that change throughout the trimesters? That's a very good question. (laughs) Um, In terms of the changing throughout the trimesters, I don't actually know. Um, I... So the reason why your immune system is lower is because your body is working much harder on everything. So it's working harder to breathe. It's working harder to pump the blood around your body. It works harder to digest your food because Mm -hmm. you've obviously got a lot more limited space. So where your body's working harder generally, it then, if you get a cold or a virus or anything like that, the body has to work so much harder to fight off sure. that cold or that virus. Mm-hmm. But also you're transferring where you're growing your baby. You're also transferring a lot of your antibodies and that kind of thing to the baby as well, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is why you have like your whooping cough jab in pregnancy so that you produce those antibodies and you give them to your baby. Um, whether it changes during the different trimesters in pregnancy yeah like I said I don't actually know um and that's no problem and that's I think that's something that it's only really come to my mind afterwards because I'm really intrigued now myself (laughs) well guys we'll come back to that and if you have any comments or you know yourself (laughs) then please enlighten us let me know um but I think more more from my own personal experience I I have been unfortunate in that my third trimester I've been a bit coldy a bit more frequently but then if we think away from pregnancy probably to do with the time of year most people have had some kind of cold or viral um 
problem over the last couple of months due to the fluctuations of temperature and everything else that happens around this time of year. So is it just related to that or am I more vulnerable? That was just what crossed my mind and wanted to look into that. So we'll, we'll look into that and we'll come back to it because <laughs> I mean, the, re- the main reason I was in that I kind of came to my mind is because something that I have been asked a lot, like I said, by friends who have recently had babies is how is my sleep? Uh, because going into the third trimester, being bigger, most women encounter some sleep disruption, whether it be because of just their size, whether it be because of the need to urinate more frequently um, and potentially just more aches and pains as you get bigger. There are I definitely have seen a difference in my sleep coming into the third trimester. But again, I've always been a very good sleeper, which I'm probably not going to see for the rest of my life now. Um, I'm I'm generally someone that I, I have a really good routine. I have a really strong understanding and prioritize routine and what that looks like before I go to bed, as well as trying to get get up at the same time every day go to bed at a similar time to really maximize the quality of sleep that I get and there's so many reasons that I've done that for for a long time now away from pregnancy as well and mostly relating to training and recovery and I think now coming into a phase where I'm noticeably bigger and finding myself to become less mobile is certainly when I'm lying down to sitting up and using my arms and having to you know make sure that I'm on my side and all of those things there is definitely a a more frequent disruption to my sleep and I then sort of went down a bit of a rabbit hole myself and thought I'm going to do a little bit of research around how that disrupts the quality of the sleep and therefore the processes that your body goes through when we sleep. I love, I'm so fascinated by sleep. It's something that is a huge, huge part of my coaching process. And before I go into detail about that, I was interested, more related to pregnancy, Charlotte, that in your experience or knowledge or in whichever way you can answer, do you think that sleep disruption in pregnancy or what you've perhaps experienced with some of your patients is down to one factor alone a combination of factors what would be the most common factor um I mean personally I think mine is definitely size Um, I've always been a water drinker so I've always kind of needed to get up in the night and and empty my bladder so doing that pregnant is kind of no different apart from it takes me a bit longer to get to the toilet (laughs) you have to run Um, to get up yeah and I think the only thing that I found um was in relation to the increase in progesterone but if I'm correct that mostly happens in our first trimester is that right yeah yeah Yeah. that's when the biggest changes do occur I would say I think it's a mixture of the disruption of sleep. So where you're bigger, you can't naturally just turn in bed like you would do normally. Getting up to go to the toilet more, especially when you've got much less bladder space and you Mm -hmm. are a person that drinks a lot of water. And there is definitely some hormonal changes within the body. If you think about um, when women go through menopause, they tend to, one of the main sort of signs and symptoms or outcomes of menopause is that women struggle with their sleep. And um, that is related to the hormone changes. And it's the Mm. same when you look at your cycle, your menstrual cycle. There are points in the month when your hormones change and you then have worse worse sleep quality. Um, So I would say that that definitely does impact your sleep as well, but it is just a factor within that. There's more than one factor when you're largely pregnant and struggling to sleep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's 
totally I think and I think it's clearly just like most things are going to be different for everybody um so yeah like I said I kind of went on a bit of a deep dive knowing let's I mean just to kind of very briefly talk about my own knowledge around sleep and how important it is um in terms of recovery for training progression um aesthetic progression and that's why it's such a fundamental part of what I analyze and monitor with my clients so when we sleep the main functions of sleep are not just for us to wake up feeling rested that process of us waking up feeling refreshed is because of what happens when we sleep so there are there are so many stages of sleep one of which probably everybody's heard of which is rapid eye movement which is when when our brain is most active when we are most actually tend to be dreaming um and our deep sleep is our smallest part of our sleep it tends to for the average person that gets about eight hours sleep let's say maybe a bit less these days um we tend to get between an hour and hour and a half deep sleep a night so it's not actually that that big of amount of across the entire um night that we have but that is probably the the most important part of our sleep because that is when our body essentially goes into this self paralysis which sounds really scary but essentially our body switches off completely to allow our brain to flush through and there are so many other processes that happen when we sleep so um our organs sort of get regenerated our brain has this kind of complete wash through every single night the quality of and and so many other things but the quality of these processes are determined by a number of factors one of them is um, nutrition hydration one of them is length uh, the amount of sleep that you're getting um amongst other things so exercise is known to be a positive influence on the quality of sleep that we get it does actually also mean that we need a bit more sleep usually because not only does our body have to go through all of these normal recovery processes that, you know, it's essentially just recovering from being alive, our organs regenerating, general tissue regeneration, etc. But we also need to recover from training, from the training injuries that we incur, which we want to incur from inflammation, from small muscle tears um which happen when we train which is part of what we want to happen so the quality of our sleep becomes even more important when we exercise but a byproduct for of exercising is that we tend to have better quality sleep so there are so many positives from exercising improving your sleep but it's also really important that they come hand in hand so it kind of led me down this rabbit hole of thinking Okay, so if if when I'm pregnant, the quality of my sleep is disrupted by maybe a number of factors, maybe it's hormonal, maybe it's my size, um, maybe it's just my organs are squished, whatever it might be, how much does that influence the quality of sleep that we're getting? And therefore, um, the appropriate recovery, are we getting the appropriate recovery, um, whether it be um, within our central nervous system are you know all the all the things all the processes that we have to go through so I found a few studies and there was a couple that related sleep deprivation in pregnancy to increased risk of depression I think that that could be pretty much summarized in life as well I think if we tend to be um bad sleepers or sleep less due to time constraints or whatever it might be people are more inclined at higher risk of mental health problems. But one of them I found really, really interesting in direct correlation to pregnancy and sleep was um, a study. And again, as always, I'll put all of the notes in in the episode notes um, and where you can read these studies. I took a little quote out of one of the findings, which was the associations between sleep deficiency and gestational diabetes hypertensive disorders, depression, and some evidence regarding preterm birth exist. 
A woman's labour course and perception of delivery are also negatively affected by short sleep duration. Other things include risk of caesarean section, low birth weight, preterm birth and small for the gestational age. So that to me immediately rang alarm bells. There was no, um, um, what a lot of these studies that I read accumulated in their um, findings was that there really isn't a lot of research and a lot of studies done around sleep in pregnancy and really going into detail about that, i.e. what processes are mostly affected. Um, You know, whether it be is it the deep sleep stage? Is it the REM sleep? I've noticed since being pregnant, because I track my sleep using my beautiful aura ring, that my REM sleep has increased. Um, and I, it is really interesting. And I did read a very short part of um, a study that, that backed that up. Um, but there was no real evidence or proof to say why that was, because there is so little research done around pregnancy and sleep. The available evidence indicates that maternal slow wave and rapid eye movement, which are key to anabolic activity and neural cerebral recharge, are protected throughout pregnancy until perhaps the last three to four weeks before delivery. That was right. So this was a different study to the one I just mentioned. So this one said that it's protected, that it doesn't increase. So that's a really integral part of our sleep. Um, That is more for us rather than the baby. Um, really important for our central nervous system. But there was another article I read that indicated that it actually can increase. And and having tracked my sleep before and during, that's something that I've noted. Something else that um, I am going to share with you guys is also, there is this guy that I follow on Instagram. I actually shared one of his reels um, on the CrossFit versus pregnancy Instagram page. His Instagram handle is Rubio Fuerte. I'm probably saying that really wrong, <laughs> so I'm going to spell it for you. It's R U B I O F U E R T E. He does a lot of fact checking, um, information nugget reels, which I really, really like. And one of the, his most recent ones was about how women, it really caught my eye because it was appropriate, women need more sleep than men. And just to read you one of the what a little quote of what he said was research shows that the massive difference in sleep requirements is due to so-called hormonal reserves built daily by female female adrenals during sleep to ensure you have a great day. So essentially, if we think about I'm, I'm kind of going a bit off tangent here, but if we think about the female hormonal cycle um, changes throughout um a menstrual cycle, right? Our, our, our needs change, our wants change, our uh, mood can change, our temperature changes. And that happens pretty much every day. Our, adre- our Well, it does happen every day. Our adrenal glands reset and have to kind of restart. Whereas men don't have these dips. Um, they have increases where they have moments where they have more of a release of hormones, but they don't have extreme dips. So uh, that when I read that, that makes complete sense that women actually need a little bit more sleep to get full recovery. So then it made me go, well, it's no wonder that pregnancy increases the need for us to sleep and why most a lot of women suffer with real tiredness, especially when we have this ginormous baby inside us in our third trimester. So when it comes to... um sleep and recovery my personal I'm going to ask for your input in a sec I realize that I've been chatting a lot of (laughs) fact and um, information here no it's really interesting I'm really enjoying learning about it oh good well but my own personal findings relating to my own experience and knowledge around sleep and its importance of course sleep in pregnancy is going to increase need to increase because it isn't just about us recovering anymore. When we are athletes who train hard and, okay, we still might look after our bodies and fuel it appropriately and hydrate ourselves and, you know, really, really work our bodies hard, we still need to recover appropriately. And even if you're not an athlete and you're someone who 
just goes through your day and essentially you go to work and you deal with stress, you deal with hormonal changes, you deal with life, you know, all of these things, you just survive. Our body still needs to recover from that. We still need quality sleep in order to wake up feeling refreshed. I've got a whole nother spiel that I can give you on why <laughs> alcohol interrupts that, but we won't go there today. That's totally not what I need to talk about. So, of course, it made sense to me, having gone down all these little rabbit holes, that pregnancy is going to mean that we need more sleep because we have, of course, we have more to recover from. We're growing a human. I mean, if that's not something that's going to require a little bit more rest, then then what else is, you know? And I think for me, it's the reason I was so intrigued by it is, as always, I like to know fact. But I also want to have a bit of a justification for things and not just, ex- I suppose, accept what people are telling me. Like, oh, you're going to be tired. Like, you you must be so tired because you're pregnant. And, oh, um, you know, there's all this kind of feeling sorry for yourself or feeling sorry for the, for the pregnant person. Well, actually, I haven't been that bad, but... <laughs> I kind of want to see it. I'm perhaps one of those people who hasn't been affected by things in terms of sleep because I have such a good routine and it's something that I've carried through my pregnancy. So when it comes to the experience that you've had with patients in, I mean, maybe it's not been a subject that has come up too frequently. I don't know. You can kind of fill us in. But when it comes to sleep changes or sleep deficiency in pregnancy is it something that women discuss a lot with their midwives and show concern over and talk about being really tired um I wouldn't say it had ever been brought up that they're concerned over it I feel like part of the reason why not much research has done has been done into sleep and pregnancy is because it's one of those things that it's just kind of accepted. Like yeah. you said, like people go, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, you're going to be tired, especially in those last few weeks. You're going to be exhausted and that kind of thing. And I think that is it's one of those things that's accepted. And I don't think many people actually do talk about the reason why. Yeah. I think it is just everyone goes, oh, well, I'm I'm big. Are we 70 times a night um and it is what it is kind of thing so actually Mm -hmm. I'm finding it really really interesting um sleep is something that definitely interests me as well there's so much unknown about sleep yeah um Mm. and so much research that in the last few years has been done into sleep um one thing I would point out and one argument I would bring up is if women need more sleep than men, why is it that men can sleep so well? <laughs> like men, men get into bed, their head hits the pillow and they are gone like that. But women don't. Women's brains work far too much. They just don't get to sleep like that. And I want to know why now. Do you like, know what? It's not fair. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you um, if we're just being um, sexually biased here. I'm totally <laughs> yeah, with course. you. And I'm so frustrated by my partner's ability to kind of manage to sleep through anything. Oh, it does happen. Um, yeah. Like they're wide awake and I'm like, why? Why not sleep? <laughs> but then if we think about the post that I've just tapped into in relation to um the daily hormonal cycle that a woman goes through that a man doesn't experience there must be something related to that as well right um and I think I think (laughs) sorry go on (laughs) I was gonna say I think going back to sleep and pregnancy and not just sleep and men um I think I wonder if there is an adaption that the body The body does something for it to be able to work on so little sleep, especially once you've had a baby. Once you've got a newborn, if you've got a newborn that's cluster feeding, which is where they feed literally on and off for like every 10, 20 minutes, and it can go on for hours. And you don't like it usually does happen overnight because of when your um, milk hormones are highest. A woman could only get two, three hours sleep a night. But yet she can still function for the entire day. And that could happen for four or five nights in a row. Not to put, not, not to scare you. Yeah, cheers. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But there must be something. The body must adapt to being able to cope and function, not necessarily normally, but function at a minimal level 
mm. after having had so little sleep. So it would be really interesting to like research about that. I don't know how you'd go mm. about that, but I would love to know why. Like, oh, I've got no doubt a big part <laughs> of that will be a big part of that will be hormonal because yeah. if we think about the fight or flight um response that everybody has whether you're male or female a massive part of that is a hormonal shift or a hormonal release so I think when it comes to um, being a mother and being responsible for um, a helpless baby I think that fight or flight thing is definitely going to kick in your hormones are you know adrenaline is going to be released to get you through it so you are there and capable to survive but absolutely I couldn't agree with you more Something that really surprised me is, I agree with you, there is so much research being done around sleep and its importance and what happens and all of those things. But specifically around pregnancy, there is so little. And again, something that we kind of encountered at the beginning of this podcast journey, which was training and pregnancy it's become a much more research topic whereas um sleep is something that we do everybody does they don't have a choice you know training is a choice it's it's something you either want to do or you don't um so to find that there was so little about it it just really shocked me so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the coming years because I'm sure more will be done um but I guess I wanted to finish this very long segment about sleep on my personal tips um, to anyone pregnant, looking to get pregnant, about maximising their sleep because sleep is so important for so many things, not just regeneration of all of our bodily systems. It's also going to promote really good quality hormonal cycles as well. It's all go- It's also going to promote um better mental health it's gonna enable us like I said earlier to progress so much faster if we consider good quality sleep and routine when it comes to our training um, and when it comes to an aesthetic change if you're trying to get lean if you're trying to build muscle so imperative that we get that quality sleep so something that I think anyone should consider especially pregnant women and this is a topic that again has become quite prevalent in the world of weight loss um, in the last couple of years is eating after a certain time so if you eat too much just before you go to bed and you go to bed full and stuffed that will inhibit the quality of your sleep in a nutshell your body will need to focus on digesting that food rather than focusing on the other processes. So, of course, it's going to disrupt the first part of your sleep, which is when we tend to get our deep sleep. So, yeah, so that's clearly not going to mean that we get better quality sleep. However, a myth that has been going around forever is you shouldn't eat carbs after six o'clock. I don't know where six o'clock came from. (laughs) I haven't got a clue. But that is something that I have been combating it feels like forever um and actually there is research please go and read it if you are not a pregnant person and you're scared of eating carbs after six that proves eating carbohydrates before bed not in abundance so you're stuffed but i'm talking you know for example one of my go-to pre-bed snacks or meals is having a bowl of porridge slow release carbohydrates such as oats um enable your body to feel satisfied fuel your recovery overnight so it fuels really good quality recovery in all of those processes um so when we're it, it's just a hundred percent one of those things that i would say to any pregnant woman especially if you're still training don't be scared of eating carbs before you go to bed it's really helpful to improve the quality of your sleep. Um, and hey, I mean, who doesn't like carbs? If you don't like carbs, then you're not welcome here. No, <laughs> I'm joking. No, definitely not. <laughs> I wonder if the no carbs before bed thing has come around because of 
natural blood sugar spikes that come from carbs. Mm-hmm. And if you're eating the wrong kind of carbs, there's no such thing as a wrong carb. Um, like every carb is a good carb. I you like mean more of a, a stuff. You a mean more of like a, a simple carbohydrate. Yeah, a simple yeah. carbohydrate. Um, I wonder if that's where it's maybe stemmed from. Like you I... should eat something that's a simple carb before bed because you might get that sugar spike. I don't know. I think it's one of those myths that someone's created in order to promote a particular a diet. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of got stuck because there was a period of time where carbs were the devil and yeah. everybody was doing <laughs> keto. Um, there was definitely a period of time when eating anything after six o'clock was seen to be silly. So I don't know where it's stemmed from. It could be anywhere, but whatever happens pregnant or not guys don't be scared of eating anything after six o'clock and especially if you train like carbs are so important not even if you're trying to make progress if you're just trying to survive like we need carbohydrates so anyway so that was my little tip for everybody is eat some carbs before you go to bed something that is a slow release carbohydrate rather than simple so a simple carbohydrate would come more from sugars natural sugars as well included in that um and uh, more of a slow-release carbohydrate would come from things like you just mentioned a couple, pasta, potatoes, um, whole whole grains. Um, oats are a really, really great option as well. So finally, I know this podcast is meant to be about CrossFit and training, um, but I feel that that is so relevant to pregnant women who train because it's clearly something that affects an abundance of pregnant women, i.e. sleep quality, sleep deprivation. So if, like me, training is a non-negotiable part of your life, pregnant or not, enhancing the quality of your sleep and your recovery is even more important. So I'm sorry if you feel like all I've done is talk about sleep for the last hour, but... (laughs) I felt like it was really relevant to me and it's really relevant to this journey. So I really wanted to go in depth about it. But to finish, I haven't really got much to report in terms of training. Since we last spoke, Charlotte, not a lot has changed. The only thing that has really impacted my training has been that I haven't been particularly well. And I think something that I really noted in my own mind was if I wasn't pregnant, would I be going to the gym now? feeling a bit under the weather you know having a bit of a cold having a bit of congestion not feeling my full my full capacity energized self the answer would probably be yeah I'd go to it I'd go and push myself through it but being pregnant my choice has definitely changed and I'm thinking more about this isn't just about me now this is about the baby that I'm growing So I've definitely taken a step back when I haven't felt 100%. And something that I've also noticed is the duration of my sessions has definitely reduced. Um, Is that by choice or is it just happened? I don't know, really. (laughs) Bit of a combination. Some days I don't really fancy doing much more. It's not because I'm tired. I I just feel like I've done enough. Uh, I've moved my body enough. Um, Some days it's just, I suppose, for being busy and needing to get back home. But... I think a lot of women experience this and I think for as an athlete and as someone that has always pushed myself to challenge myself and do more and be more I want to reassure women and I'm sure Charlotte will agree that remember in pregnancy we're not trying to make progress we're trying to prepare our bodies for labor we're trying to prepare our bodies for rehabilitation post-birth and just being moving our bodies in whichever way that we want to is hugely beneficial for both us and the baby so something I'm trying and I have been trying and I'm getting better at is accepting that I don't want to don't need to train as much for as long um the intensity of my sessions has definitely dropped a bit over the last couple of weeks just from being bigger um it's not necessarily about my fitness um i think the one thing that i've definitely noticed a big difference in is a hinging movement so a hinging movement i'm re- essentially 
at my hips I mean so bending from my hips as we know I've got a bit of a knee problem so I'm avoiding any compression at the knee any squats any lunges etc so I've been relying on a lot of hinging movements to work my glutes and my hamstrings and I'm having to go wider and wider and wider with my feet <laughs> in order to make that happen and something that I've maintained quite a, quite really relatively well throughout my entire pregnancy has been using the ski erg yeah um because that movement has been you know it fits well with my injury it fits well with the size that I have been but in the last couple of weeks it's not been so easy I can't stand on the platform anymore my feet are kind of going wider than the platform in order to got something in the way yeah (laughs) I can't I can still do the movement but it's not as efficient I can't get as low um so I feel like I'm I'm utilizing my arms more rather than the hinging movement so that's a bit disappointing but again you know I haven't got long to go now so I've got just accept these things otherwise um like I say I'm still doing everything else I'm I'm utilizing dumbbells a lot um if I didn't have a knee injury, it, it was a thought that went through my mind this morning when I was at the gym, I would definitely still be squatting. I would definitely still be doing these strength-based exercises. I'm just being sensible and trying to prevent any further injury because um, I want to come back as, you know, as tr- strong and as quick as I can post-birth. So, Ladies, don't don't let my direction hinder what you want to do. Squatting is fine. I worked with a lady who was squatting right up until I think she was about 38, 39 weeks. And then it was more of a we didn't actually um, she kind of had the baby. So, you know, there is no <laughs> She probably delivered that baby in a squat, you know. <laughs> you know what it's and I and I still get into that position to mobilize because I know it's a really great position absolutely um we spoke to Ree last week Ree Pearson she was telling us the day that she was induced with her one of her children she did a huge wobble workout which incorporated squats and stuff so you know there is there is no limitation to to strength movements in that sense um but yeah I'm still enjoying training for what it is the pressure has definitely come off me now. I don't feel this internal need to, I must go to the gym X days a week for this much time. I'm much more accepting that life is busy. Um, you know, perhaps I'm, I haven't had a good night's sleep, so I'm not going to get up and push myself to go. I haven't been feeling 100%. And I think that's something that comes with time across pregnancy. So if you're listening to this and you're very early on in your pregnancy and you're like, oh, I'll never be like that. I think I was the same. I didn't think I would ever (laughs) feel like that. (laughs) Yeah. um, But actually, to get to this point of acceptance, it's really quite humbling and, and... it's a lovely part of the journey, really, because it just shows how how much you have to change and how much you have to accept when you become pregnant. Doesn't mean I'm any less excited to start the rehabilitation process and see where I can push myself to get to by the end of 2023. That's kind of my my mindset is to see what my body allows me to get back to by the end of the year. Um, but I'm not there yet. So right now I'm just living with the spontaneity that pregnancy brings and that's how it will continue and hopefully we can come back again Charlotte before the baby is born um to have another chat and another catch-up and hey things might change dramatically and I might be absolutely hating life and desperate (laughs) (laughs) just desperate to have a baby yeah but right now everything is good and dandy so I can't complain so as always Charlotte thank you for being here and getting involved and um and I'm glad that you enjoyed the bit about sleep um it's really interesting I do I find it really interesting it's really really interesting yeah so um and we will definitely come back to immunity changes um Charlotte's gonna have a little look at that and I probably will too um and see if there's anything that we can find I don't think that there really will be not um no I can think but (laughs) you know we'll revisit it at some point but yeah thanks as always charlotte for putting up with my rambling and uh, it's lovely to speak to you after it um after the christmas and new year thing is done yeah and you
Um, you take care and we will catch up really soon. Yeah. Speak to you soon. So as for the rest of you lovely listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you've got any feedback, i.e. Misha, shut up, um, then please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. You can contact me at my email address at info at MishaPT.com or you can get in touch on any of the socials, as always, which are always in the episode notes. I will put anything that we talked about in there today as well, any links to anything, um, including um, that guy that I was talking about that I've posted about. Really interesting, some of his little fact reels, so I'd go and check him out. But for now, stay happy, stay healthy, and I will catch you all soon. Take care, bye. Bye.